0: Don't resist the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of innovation. And he's constantly revealing the new things of God. So that you and I can lay hold of these things and break through, break out of, Of the patterns of the past. To move on to the high purposes of God. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to turn you to Acts chapter 7. And uh, it's a long speech. So I've cut in at the crucial moment for my theme today. So it's a bit abrupt. And uh, I'm preparing you for it. Because Stephen, who was the first Christian martyr, is making his defense after false accusations, though they were grounded in in some misunderstanding of what he was actually teaching. But he offended the religious leaders. Do you know that religious people are front of the queue when it comes to resisting the Holy Spirit? Did you know that? And anyway, he's making his defense, but he pulls no punches. He doesn't think about his own personal security. And when we read these words, you can see why they were pretty keen to get rid of him quickly. So are you ready? Brace yourself. Acts chapter 7 and verse 51. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you now have betrayed and murdered you who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He died. And Saul approved of his execution. In certain situations it is good to have boundaries, to set certain limits and have a framework within which you can operate. It's partly how we live and survive In life, it's also how we make sense of our calling and how we focus our attention on the Holy Spirit specifics for us. A person who also ministered in Kensington Temple on a number of occasions, Derek Prince, who not too many years ago went went to be with the Lord. He exhibited a man of singular gifts and talents, but who recognized that you can't do everything. You must define your parameters. He was a highly gifted intellectual, Cambridge professor, professor of philosophy and logic. He could have done many things with his life, highly successfully. But he responded to the call of God to be an apostolic Bible teacher. And he stuck to that. He began in the local church, but was then released into wider apostolic teaching ministry and led apostolic teams. I'm interested in that because that's exactly what man and I are about to do. Soon. Just a few Sundays from now. So there there are times when we must know our parameters and stick within our parameters. But there are also times when previous ways of thinking need to change. We must learn the secret of breaking out of mindsets which once may have been helpful but now become an obstacle as we move with the expanding purposes of God many of you I believe are hearing words similar to this in this seasonal change in the spiritual realm the early Israelites as they trekked across the desert began and set camp before the mountain of the Lord Mount Sinai But there then came a day in which God spoke to them and said, You have been long enough at this mountain. It's time to break camp and follow the cloud of glory into new territory. What new horizons? What new areas of work and creativity is God presenting to you? What does God have for you in this season and the one that is coming? It's not always about changing location in order to move on. Sometimes, moving on means moving up. Promotion, and I give it to you, This word, because I know there are some people who are seeking God for promotion in your workplace. God grant you promotion. Grab it, because that's a word that's floating around for somebody to claim. But as well as promotion in our regular work. Do you know there's such a thing as spiritual promotion? I dare to believe that Amanda and I are being promoted spiritually. Moving into a higher level, sometimes moving on means moving up. To progress, you need to take a higher path. Today we are graduating a whole bunch of students from the International Bible Institute of London, which I founded I can't remember how many years ago. And my challenge to them, as my challenge to you is this, when you graduate, don't think of you graduating out of something. Think of it as graduating into something. To a higher level of spiritual awareness and effectiveness. Some of you are going to graduate into higher levels of faith and anointing and provision and supernatural living, some of you will be promoted at work so that you'll be placed at a higher level of authority, not just in the natural, but in the spirit, so you'll shine for Jesus. Doing what you're doing now will only bring you more of what you already have. Now, that is good and at certain times that's very, very good. Many of you know that Dr. R.T. Kendall who was scheduled to be with us a week or so ago but got a mild dose of COVID and the whole thing was called off. Well, let God be God. But he and I and some others entered into an agreement many, many years ago to pray for one another And uh, we shared briefly what the central prayer request we would have. Others pray for us and our families. R.T. Kendall, amongst other things, said, please pray for me that I would have a double anointing. And after some time of prayer, days, weeks, months, years, I said, R.T., just... Would you be a bit more specific? A double anointing. And I thought that what he would say was, you know, I have a strong ministry of biblical exposition, of receiving understanding and insight about Bible teaching and presenting it to people, the wider body of the world, actually through his books. I thought he might say, do you know, Colin, what I want is a double measure so that not only will I preach and teach the word, but God would miraculously add to my ministry another dimension of signs and wonders and miracles and manifestations of power. He is a man of the word and the spirit. But he said, no. What I want you to pray is that I'll have a double portion of what I already have. So what he was saying was, I, 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 want, I want to excel and flourish in what God has given to me. I don't, I don't crave to get outside of my calling. I want to stay within my calling. And there are times when it is good to ask God to give you more of what you have. How many people want more of what you have? Well, let me tell you, You have to maintain what you attain. Hold on to what you have because the one who has, more will be given. Don't let go of anything that God has given you. I list in this month's September issue 2021 of Revival Times. Things that I've been most passionate about had to stop because I could fill the whole Revival Times with that list. But there are certain things that insights, apostolic and prophetic uh, insights which have been added to the foundation of Kensington Temple London City Church. Don't let them go. And if you hold on to them, God will give you more. When you've maintained what you attained, God will give you new things. And in the new season, there will be many, many new things. Innovation is one of the hallmarks of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of breakthrough. That's why you should never resist the Holy Spirit. When things come into your life and, and you're, you're feeling like, I, I'd rather not have this test. Don't blame the devil. Your God is bigger than the devil. God will not allow anything other than he can use for your good and his glory and the furthering of his purposes in your life and through your life and across the uh, uh, nations of the world so sometimes though you have to break out before you can break through how does this operate at a practical level I think very often God wants to challenge repeatedly some of our present assumptions. This is, all, this is how we've always done it. And this is how God wants to do it. It has always been this way. Actually, anything worthwhile it hasn't always been this way. Some of the things that we hold on to and we should hold on to them, we assume that they are part of the status quo. No, they are Hard, earned, birthed in seasons of intercession and revelation, God bringing them into being. And when they were first introduced, they were innovative, controversial. And very often opposed by those who were addicted to a former structure and a former move of God. But there comes a time when even the assumptions of things that we hold dear will be challenged. Challenging your assumptions about how you work, how you operate. Ask God to show you what needs to change to make room for what God wants to do in this season. Something else he wants to do is to pull down all your self-limiting beliefs. It can't be any different. I can't change. I can't do it. I was challenged 30 years ago when Wynne Lewis said, right, son, all these years of preparation now are over. I'm responding to the call of God to become the leader of the Elam Pentecostal Churches as general superintendent. It's over to you. And I said, no, I don't want it. He said, that's why you're getting it. (laughs) There are many people driven by ambition. They would see some position that somebody else has and covet it as a position. I've met many men of God who've shared with me stories like this. Benihin once told me, he said, Many, many people come to me and said, I want the anointing you have. And he said, no, you don't. Oh, yes, I do. No, you don't. Are you prepared to pay the price that I pay? Many, many people who desire and covet in a almost competitive ambitious way sidle up alongside a man of God who stands on the hill like Moses did holding up his staff and try to snatch the rod out of their hands. No, that rod cannot be snatched. It can only be handed on. Pulling down self-limiting beliefs. I said I can't do it, and uh, I said I won't, and uh, he said, I said I don't want it. And and, and Win said, "That's why you got it." Then I said I can't do it. I have never tried to boost my own ego to the point where I'm confident in myself. I have no confidence in my flesh. I know that in my flesh nothing good dwells there. Without him I can do nothing. And I was about to make that kind of speech but when Lewis looked at me in the Wynne-Lewis way. I knew there was no arguing and I looked at that determination. If anybody remember Win lewis he was fierce when he had that look. And beyond that look of don't give me that, excuse was a confidence knowing that he'd heard from God and for me to refuse would be to resist the Holy Spirit so he Challenges our assumptions. He pulls down our self-limiting beliefs. But also he pushes us out of our comfort zone. Make yourself at home. But don't get too comfortable. Why do we get comf- comfortable at a particular level? Well, You know, when we start to master something... It becomes a habit. Um, Yeah, the last year and a half have been challenging. I've had to dig deep into all my leadership experience and waiting on God to lead you, and Amanda with me, to lead you through to this point where we are well on the way to regathering after a horrendous time of scattering and zooming and being blocked uh, from physical meetings and so on. We worked hard, but it was well within the range of our ministry skills and experience. Nobody else would have had that experience and knowledge. I'm not saying we're unique, but in the sense that after... 30 years of serving this church and leading this church and holding on to what God is saying and learning how not to try not to resist the Holy Spirit. But God is taking me out of my comfort zone, out of the habits of what comes as second nature. My leadership of this church is like wallpaper. It happens so naturally now after all these years, you don't even really notice it. You have no idea, because it all looks so smooth. Well, occasionally there's some things that aren't quite so smooth when we put on a music video and it's blank, um, but that's, that's more like a systems failure upstairs. Habits, also our culture. We, we, we get comfortable with our culture. I was born in East Africa, brought up in Australia, lived residentially in London, but traveled the world. I, I am truly international in my mindset. But sometimes we find me, my friends, my family, other people like me from my culture, we find that comfortable. God wants to shake things up about it. We do not believe in the worldly philosophy of intersectionality. We don't follow Identity politics. We follow identity spirituality. We are all one in Christ Jesus and we don't go the way of the world in Jesus' name. He pushes us out of our comfort zone into the new things God has for us. So now, the story of Stephen. I would love you to go back in the chapter before and follow the chapter afterwards to see all this in context. Let me just sketch some things out for you. The Stephen that we see as we break through halfway into his defense. I don't think this was a defense. By now he was on the offense. You stiff-necked people. That's not hardly gonna get him a good ruling from this high court, the highest court of the Jews. But God had prepared him for this moment. And it had begun a long time ago by the inner workings of the Holy Spirit shaping your internal world as he shaped Stevens, to produce a character an established state of being so that certain crucial qualities Do not become attained in inspirational moments alone, but become embedded in a continual life of surrender. He is described as a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Full of faith here doesn't mean that moment when the Spirit comes upon him and he prophesies. It is a state of Holy Spirit fullness. A state of being full of faith operating out of a habitual character that operates out of faith. So much so that when a crisis emerged in the Jerusalem church, Stephen was the first man they called. The problem was that in Jerusalem, The accusation came that in the daily ministry of the food hub, the Greek-speaking Jewish widows were being neglected and the Aramaic-speaking Jewish widows were given preferential treatment. So in order to solve this, the apostle said, we are going to keep focusing on the Lord, on our ministry of prayer and the word, Uh, And uh, we want you to choose seven people full of the Holy Spirit to attend to this task. We will appoint them, you choose them. They came to Stephen first of all. And that man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit began his ministry serving at tables and stopping the bickering and squabbling between two slightly different people groups in the church. I began my ministry. The powerful word from God, sitting way back there, I was a member of this church, baptized here in 1972, sitting back there. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Uh, Well, I'm telling you like I thought it and sensed it and knew it. Time has come. Your ministry has begun. And I thought, wonderful global ministries, intergalactical ministries, signs and blunders, sorry, signs and wonders all over the world. But no, nothing. I opened my eyes from prayer and I saw something on the floor. It was a red hymn book. We used to have hymn books in those days. And then I saw a deacon who seemed to have challenged Methuselah, Methuselah for his age, struggling to pick up all these hymn books. I thought, I will help him. And the Holy Spirit said, That's your ministry. Thank you, Lord. What a lesson. Listen to me carefully, try to get what I'm saying. That is what ministry is all about. Hearing from the Spirit and obeying. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. And from that day of listening to God and obeying has developed a ministry in which I've seen talk to you about some of the spectacular things, because it's good to mention sometimes. There is no difference. Between hearing from the Spirit, pick up a hymn book. No difference between that and hearing from the Holy Spirit. Open those blind eyes. No difference. It's hearing and obeying. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Now during this early ministry, he waited at tables. He was running small groups, doing all kinds of work. He became a student of the Word and the Spirit. He knew his Bible inside out. When he stood up to give his testimony, it was a prepared speech. It's almost of PhD level. When he begins his speech, he starts with a traditional historical retrospective, but it's impregnated with revelation concerning the fact that God is not contained in a building. Where did God begin this? It wasn't in Jerusalem or the temple. Those things never existed. It was way in a pagan foreign land called Mesopotamia, Ur of the Chaldees. The God of glory appeared to Abraham there. Those of you who are barristers or lawyers and have to make legal argument, not only was this legally precise, but it was every bit of the argument was moving towards the conclusion which is to say stop being addicted to Jerusalem and the temple the nations are waiting this was the birth of the Gentile mission and Stephen saw what even the apostles didn't appear to see They knew that Jesus said Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. But they were stuck in Jerusalem until God had to shake them up. Why were they stuck there? In part because they were only reading half of their Bible. There is a wonderful half of scripture revelation. Revelation. That promised that the mountain of the Lord's house would be established in the last days. Chief amongst the hills and all nations would flow to it. So their interpretation was all we have to do is stay here and they will come to us. Well, that was only half the truth. You need your mind renewed. Jesus didn't say stay and wait for them to come. He said go, go, go to them. That's what this spiritual revolution, which we call the cell vision, is all about. We go to them. We go to where they are. We sit with them. We share with them. We have cell groups amongst them right where they are, penetrating the city with little vessels of light shining in dark places. Amen and amen. Now, charged with these convictions... He continues and goes all the way. He shared his convictions. What he was saying came to the attention of religious leaders. They misinterpreted him and thought that he was speaking against the sacred temple and against the sacred traditions. In one sense he was, but actually... He was talking about the fulfillment of the temple. That now God does not, not that he ever did, live in a temple made with hands. Jesus said, I am the temple of the Lord, the temple of my body. And now he says, you are the temple of the Lord. That it wasn't only going to happen by people coming up to Jerusalem, but that the church needed to reach out, cross, Racial, cultural barriers. And the first great cultural, racial barrier was the biggest barrier of all. The difference between the Jews and the Gentiles. The nations are the Gentiles. So they arrested him, put him on trial, and he gave the fearless address, the defense, which climaxed in, you are like your father's stiff necked people you always resist the Holy Spirit he didn't back down now if he was trying to save his skin he would have said something like this well you know somewhere in the Bible it talks about surrendering to the Holy Spirit and I just wonder if, if, if we need to re-examine that but I understand your point of view He said, you resist the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that applies to you. What I'm wanting is to take that and say, let us make sure we don't resist the Holy Spirit. It cost him his life. He became the first Christian martyr. So, what do I want to really share with you today from that story? Please be open to the Holy Spirit. When he speaks, don't resist. Don't think that your wisdom is superior to his. And the making of Stephen, everything that we see, comes with fruit and the climax of his life is, is rooted in discipleship. Our roots are discipleship. We get busy with discipleship. 130 men yesterday... Friday night and Saturday. All we spoke about on the encounter was discipleship in one form or another. That's why we major on discipleship. Discipleship is the root of everything. And when our roots are in discipleship, the fruits are pleasing to God and they cause us to bear a big harvest and make a big difference. Also, he had spiritual revelation and wisdom because he was open to the Holy Spirit. He was a man of the Word, but he was also a man of the Spirit. And he saw from Scripture that the Gentile mission necessitated people leaving Jerusalem and not thinking that the Holy Land was was only holy place in the whole earth. (laughs) the earth is mine says the Lord he manifests his presence everywhere you can be anywhere and know the holy presence of God it is not limited to a building a land I wish some people who are crazy people looking at the wrong side of eschatology and focusing all their energy on one geographical location On this planet, and not realizing that God's plan and purpose is to pour out His Spirit and manifest His presence on all nations. And in this insight, His defense and His death, He sowed the infallible seeds which later grew into the Gentile mission. His discipleship, which is like such a great example and it must have made an impact on a young man whom we know as Saul of Tarsus who also is Paul. That was his Roman name. And he became the great apostle to the nations, to the Gentiles. Witnessing this supreme act of discipleship, did you get it? Did you get it? Luke intended us when he recorded this for us to get it. You will never see an example which more clearly exhibits the nature and character of Jesus than in Stephen. He even prays a prayer which is almost word for word. Don't lay this sin against them. Don't hold this sin against them. What did Jesus pray? Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. This high-level discipleship must have impacted Saul. He didn't realize that he was in full agreement. He endorsed this. Yeah, throw another stone. But something was going on in his heart. Because when Jesus finally met him and confronted him on the Damascus Road, he said, Saul, how hard it has been for you to resist the goadings of the Spirit of God in your life. And I'm convinced that Saul was visited in nightmare after nightmare As the Spirit of God was saying, you see what happened to Stephen? You were part of that, but Stephen was right. I am the Lord. And finally, Jesus broke through and immediately commissions Paul to become the great apostle sent one to the nations the Jewish leaders resisted the spirit Paul resisted the spirit but there came a moment when he said I'm not going to resist anymore and total resistance to the spirit became total openness to the spirit when you read about the life of the apostle Paul you'll never find a greater example of somebody who obeyed and followed the Holy Spirit so Root your life in discipleship and respond to the Holy Spirit as you move in to the new season that God is bringing us all into. Amen. (laughs)